0: Yeah, amen. And listen, um, uh, we're building something up here. Uh, Awesome. Everybody give it up for Joey, my lovely assistant this morning. Um, Man, that video, you have no idea how much of an answered prayer that is. We've been praying for years as a church. Uh, I mean, on stage we have been, but definitely behind the scenes of just that God would open up something at the college campus and uh, that God would, man, uh, to Alex's over there, I'm going to talk about it in just a second, what she's doing right now with middle school students. But to see the door that God has opened uh, and everything that God's brought together so that Alex could start this this week, I mean, it is a total work of God. Um, we've tried to do a lot there, and, and, man, every time we there was always a seal and something, we would hit, we would hit something, and it, and it never worked out. But this... Has just been a work of God, and so uh, later on today we're going to put this out online. And if you could do us a favor that uh, of just of, of just sharing it, whether you go to the college or not, just to help spread the word about it. So when you see this out later today, if you could just like it and share it to share the word, like I, like she said in the video, it's going to begin this Tuesday. And so we're just praying for that, uh, but help us spread the word about it. When you see that out there this this uh, afternoon, please share it just to get the word out. Maybe like I said. You might not be affected or associated, rather, with the college, but somebody you're friends with online might, and they might see this and come to synergy. So we are really praying uh, that God moves in a powerful way there. All right? Hey, if you're brand new, my name's Mark. I'm the pastor here. We're excited to have you. And, and if you are brand new, you're here for the first time, we've got a free gift for you that we would love to give you uh, today, right after the service out there at the welcome area. I'll be there. Several of us will be there. We pray for you answer any questions you have. Uh, But if you're here for the very first time, we've got a free gift we'd love to put in your hands. Uh, But if you are brand new to church and you're not ready to maybe go to the welcome area or something like that, or maybe you're just in a rush, you can actually text the word welcome to the number on your screen right now. Um, And you'll instantly get a message back. Just fill out some quick info, and that's it. We would just love to connect with you today, uh, learn how we can pray for you, any way we can serve you. We would love to do that, all right? Hey, right now, while I'm up here talking, Alex, who was just in the video, is over at our student building right now leading our very first middle school Sunday. So if you are a middle school student, uh, you're invited to get up right now and go to our student building while I'm talking. If you're already bored with what I'm doing and you want to pretend you're a middle schooler, um, I don't know, they might be carting at the door. I don't know, but you can try it, okay? But no kidding, it's going on right now. Uh, Several middle schoolers were going over there. If you're uh, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, hey, listen, you're invited to go over there to Middle School Sunday right now, all right? Um, But I am going to pray, and we're going to jump into some stuff this morning, all right? Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much that you are here that Jesus, where two or more gathered in your name, Jesus, you said that you are right there in their midst. And Jesus, you are right here in our midst today. We're not the only people in the room. The people who are, are here that we can physically see, it's not the only thing happening today. It's not the only people are here, the people that we can physically see. Jesus, you're here. Spirit of God, you're here. And, and Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and to move in power and to speak Whatever you want to speak, to, to say and to do, whatever you want, Holy Spirit, we are open to you. And whatever you have for us, Holy Spirit, we say yes today. God, we, we want to know you. We want to see you. And so, Jesus, would you wake us up? Give us whatever we need. That, that, God, over the next couple of minutes, we wouldn't hear a sermon or a talk because, to be honest, we don't really need to. We, we, we need to hear from you. We need to engage with you and to meet with you. And so, God, would you do that? you do that would you give me the words to say God and it wouldn't be me it'd be you and, and Jesus would you take uh, this time and do with it what no human being could God we love you we ask us in Jesus name and everybody said amen amen well we are today in part two of a series called transformed we started it last week and really what we did last week just some general introductory principles to this idea of transformation. If you missed it, you can go back and check it out. What we're going to do today and for the next couple of weeks is drill down into some specific areas of transformation. Because what we're saying in this series is that transformation is for the whole person. It's not for a part of us, you know, here at church or anything like that. Transformation is for the entire Person, And so today and next week, we're going to drill down into specific areas of of what that could mean. And I was thinking over, uh, just as we were coming into Sunday, I was thinking over um, my time in church. I became a Christian when I was a senior in high school. 1996 I started working in churches about 1997 and so I've been doing work in churches for a while and I don't think that I've ever uh, physically been in a church or a church that I worked at I don't think I've ever physically been in a church and heard an entire sermon on what we're going to hear a sermon about today the one that I'm about to preach. I could probably dig around the internet and find something, but I don't think that, that I've went to a church, worked at a church, and, and sat in a room the way that we're and heard a sermon about the topic that we're going to talk about today. Uh, and I know for a fact this church has never heard a whole sermon on this topic because I've never preached on it, unless somebody else maybe that we've brought in, and I just didn't know that. Uh, we've dabbled it maybe in a couple of sermons, but it's never been the focus of an entire morning because today we're going to talk about emotional health. How Jesus wants to get his hands into our lives and transform us emotionally. Now, you might hear this, and maybe it's already on a couple of faces. You might hear this and think, oh my gosh, this sounds like a day I should have stayed home. We're going to talk about emotions. We're going to talk about what feelings. Today, what in the world does that have to do with God? And I want to say to you, if you're kind of thinking that, I want to say to you that this has everything to do with God. This has everything to do with God. Think about this for a second. Jesus is asked what's the greatest commandment in the law. And you know the answer. Jesus says to, to love the Lord your God, if you know it, say it with me, with all your what? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's not a part of you. Jesus doesn't say to love God and read your Bible. And we're pro-Bible. He doesn't say to pray and, and go to church. We're pro all those things. But, but when he says head, mind, soul, strength, all those, that's every bit of you. That's every bit of me. That's all the parts. So emotions are involved in that. But he doesn't even stop there. Jesus says, and the second part is just like the first. To love your neighbor. Does anybody know the rest of it? As who? As yourself. To love your neighbor the way that you love yourself. And we don't talk about that a lot. This idea of, of what does it mean to love your Self. What does that mean? See, the church doesn't really talk about When I say church, I don't just mean this church. I mean the big C church all over the world. We're kind of quiet. We're silent on the issue of emotional health. We we don't really talk about it. I think that the main message that we give when we talk about emotions, feelings, that sort of thing, I think a message that we give is that, that you shouldn't be driven by your emotions. That's the main thing we hear in church. You shouldn't be driven by the way you feel. You shouldn't be driven by your emotions. And listen, that's right. I mean, you shouldn't be, your, your marriage shouldn't be driven by your feelings or emotions, the way you feel when you wake up on a certain day. Your friendships, your relationship with God should not be driven by your feelings or your emotions. But here's the thing, you feel stuff, don't you? Right? I mean, you have emotions. Some of you are like, I don't feel anything. And we're praying for you. And, but you feel things, right? And listen, the reason that you feel things, the reason that you have emotions is because we're all made in the image of God. And God feels things. God has emotions. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, you read the Bible, God gets excited about things. God, God is love. That's an emotion. That's a feeling. God gets angry. That's an emotion. That's a feeling. You read the Gospels, and Jesus has emotions. He gets tired. He gets hungry. He laughs with his friends. Jesus feels things. The Holy Spirit, the book of Ephesians, says that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. So he has emotions we're made in the image of God God feels therefore the people that God made you and I we feel we have emotions now here's the thing our emotions are bent because of sin they're broken because of sin so they're not a reliable God right you can't live with them in the driver's seat you can't be driven by your emotions or feelings but here's the thing we have them And the more the church is silent about emotional health and and what's really going on under the surface of our lives, the more we're silent, the more it actually hurts people in the church. I'll show it to you. It's really honestly easy to prove. Maybe you're doing everything right on the outside spiritually. You know, you come to church every week and you serve, but then somebody makes you mad at church. What do you do? What do you do when somebody makes you mad at church? You disagree with somebody at church. What do you do? Oh, well, Mark, I'll tell you what I do. I go to the 930 so they can go to the 1115. I never see them again in my life. That's why our church has two services. Amen? And it's, Don't amen that. Don't amen that at all. Right? But, but that's what happens a lot of times in church, we have conflict. We don't know what to do with said conflict, so we avoid, we, we stop talking to, we, we end the relationship without te- telling the other person, without seeking any reconciliation at all. We, we don't know what to do with conflict in the church. Or here's this, it's the person in the church that spiritualizes every conflict they're in. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, this person made me mad and it's because they're possessed by the devil. They're possessed by the devil. Everyone you're mad at can't be possessed by the devil. Right? Have you noticed this? Well, they're all possessed by the devil. Well, honey, no they're not. Right? Or, 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 or in the church, we don't give a lot of room or, or discussion to how our past impacts our present. I don't do a lot of counseling appointments with people about how to read their Bible. I do a lot of counseling appointments with people who their dad walked out when they were 10, and now they're 40 or 50, and they still can't get over that. There's wounds from the past. They were abused. Somebody did something, said something to them. Do you see that? And we don't talk a lot about how the past impacts the present. Or maybe we can use a phrase, how your family of origin, maybe you're familiar with that phrase, how our family of origin, how our family impacts the person that we are right now. Whether we like it or not, we can try to spiritualize it tonight. Those things are there. There. And so when we talk about emotional health, what do we even mean? What are we trying to talk about this morning? When we talk about emotional health, we just really mean, we really mean the way that we talk about other people, the way that we treat other people, the way that we think about other people, and the way that we talk about and treat and think about ourselves. I love what Pete Scazzaro says. He's a pastor in New York. And a lot of what we're saying this morning is influenced by a book that he uh, wrote called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. I love this quote on the screen. He says, emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable. It is not possible, watch this, to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. It's not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Immature. So when we talk about emotional health, and we talk about emotional maturity, we mean things like this. Here's some, here's some benchmarks you can think through. What do we mean by emotional health? Here's some things. One is learning how to name and deal with our feelings and emotions. Another one is starting and maintaining close relationships. Then there's seeing patterns in our lives that are destructive. But watch this. This next part's key. This is huge. Not just seeing those patterns, but actually beginning to break free From them. Then there's learning how to handle conflict. And watch this. Consider the other person. Well, maybe you had that conflict because they had a rough week at work. Something's going on at family. But, you know, can you consider that? I love this last one. Discovering the person that God has uniquely created us to be. So I'm not trying to be another person. I'm not simply trying to be who I think you want me to be. I'm discovering who God has created me to be. Too many Christians, too many people that go to church week in and week out are emotionally unhealthy. And here's the thing, emotional health doesn't happen automatically. So just because you're a certain age, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're that age emotionally. I mean, you can be 65, but a six-year-old emotionally, all right? Don't look at them, they'll cry, okay? So so let me give you some signs of emotional uh, unhealthiness, all right? Here's this one. Watch this, watch this, and just just go through this. Does any of this, is any of this relevant to me? Does any of this ring any bell inside of me? Is this me? Ignoring emotions, specifically anger, sadness, and fear. Denying the impact of the past on the present, especially grieving. It's a big one. We talked about this last week. Go back and listen to it. Dividing our lives into secular and sacred. So secular, I'm reading my Bible, I'm going to church. The thing that that person said to me, and I keep replaying that conversation in my mind over and over, has nothing to do with God. Has everything to do with God. Doing things for God instead of being With God, oh my goodness, so I'm serving, I'm doing a lot of things, everything on the outside looks right spiritually, but I can't remember the last time I was with God. Spiritualizing away conflict, what we were saying a minute ago, covering over things like brokenness, weakness, failure. Here's a big one, living without limits, so I say yes to everything. We're tired all the time. We refuse to listen to our bodies. You know, we've got aches. We've got things going on inside of us, and we just refuse to listen to limits. We ignore financial limits. We just keep going further and further in the debt. Here's this one. Judging other people's spiritual journey. I'm more spiritual than you are. I know Jesus more than you do. And to be honest, I don't know what God might be doing in your life. I really don't know your story. But when I look at you, I think I'm more spiritual than you. That's not a sign of health, church. Amen? Amen? That's not a sign of health. I don't, I don't even know your story or what's going on, right? And I'll just be honest with you. I'll just tell you where this started with me. i just tell you where, how, how I started to think about these things and, and really tried to dive into this. Uh, the church we were at before we came here, to st- came back home to start Summit, uh, I was the senior pastor of a church, uh, an older established church, well over a hundred-year-old church in western Kentucky. I was there for four years, and, and there were people in that church uh, that did not see eye to eye with me, uh, it was a really hard season. It was a really difficult time and there was just there was just four or five people in that church and and they began to say things about me to people in the church and around town and 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 I, I'll never forget I remember there was one person in particular they came to my office one day to tell me how bad of a preacher I am, how bad of a pastor I am, and that I'll never amount to anything, and I should quit right now. And, and we just prayed and sang a hymn, and it was glorious. Um, that's not true. And, man, um, I, mean, I remember hating that person. Can I say that? doesn't matter. I already did. Right? I just, remember, I just remember being so angry. I just remember being so bitter at them. And then here's what happened. God called us to come back home and start Summit. So when we packed up everything, put it in some U-Hauls and vehicles, you know, what, you know what I also brought here, here with me to help start this church? Anger, bitterness, and all of the baggage that I just got from what I went through. And so if I'm honest with you, a lot of what I was doing early on, a lot of what I was praying, I was trying to listen to God, but there was a lot of motivation early on to try to prove to people who weren't even here, who weren't even watching me. They weren't even interested in me at all, but I was trying to prove to them that I wasn't the loser you said I was. I wasn't the failure that, I, that you said I was going to be. I was motivated by anger, motivated by bitterness, and, and I didn't know what to do with that stuff. I didn't know what to do with all of those emotions going on on the inside. And early on, I remember, I just kept pressing the church to let's go harder, let's go faster, let's get bigger as fast and as quick as we can. And then, because God's good, God let me go through a season of burnout. And in that season, God just began to speak to me and say, Mark, you got to deal with this stuff under the surface, all of these emotions, these things going on under the surface, because if you don't deal with them, they will catch up to you. And so I just, I just need you to know, I'm not preaching this sermon out of something that I'm not aware of. I'm preaching this on the journey with you. As God is teaching me things God has taught me, because here's the thing transformation is a really cool topic to talk about. We love to talk about and celebrate change. Transformation is hard though, isn't it? And the reason transformation and real change is hard is because transformation is just like the Spirit of God doing surgery on your life. And surgery hurts. Because there's some things that got to come out. And and a lot of those things, we've been trying to dig down and bury and keep underneath the surface for a long time. We don't want to bring them out. But if we're going to become the people that Jesus wants us to be, the Holy Spirit wants to bring those things to the surface so that we can really change. But the question is how. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to open it up to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 Verses 14 through 25 is where we're going to be at this morning. Now, this is a really familiar passage of Scripture if you've been to Summit for a little bit. If you read your Bible, you've heard this at some, uh, some point. But I know as a church, we've went back to this passage a lot just because of how encouraging it is and, and what it says to us and how we can relate to it. Romans 7, 14 through 25. If you have your own Bible, I would love for you to look at it just so you can kind of highlight, take notes Really follow along. Um, I just think that, that, that you'll just really uh, hear from God. I want you to, to really watch this. The word's going to be on the screen, but if you've got a Bible, go ahead and check this out. This is Paul talking about his self, okay? And he says this, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it's good. So now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Does anybody relate to that? Now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Watch this. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Can anybody say amen? For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Watch this, watch this. We're going to hang out in verse 23. But I see in my members that's inside of me, I see inside of me, Now, we love this passage. If you've been to Summit for a little bit, odds are really good, you've you've heard me at least refer to it, if not preach, from this passage. We love this passage because what this says, this is the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, and this is Paul saying, I struggle. I struggle with sin. I've got issues in my life. And don't we love that? I mean, isn't that encouraging? It's encouraging to know that the person who wrote most of the New Testament struggled with sin, has issues in their life. And so we look at this verse, this passage, and we say, listen, that's me. I struggle too. Thank goodness that's in the Bible. But listen to me right now. It's great to know that we struggle, but it's not enough to know that. It's great to know that I'm not perfect, but it's not enough to know simply that I'm not perfect because here's the thing I can know hey man nobody's perfect I'm not perfect I can know that but I might I might have no idea how my imperfection comes across to you and the way it affects my life does that make sense I can say, hey, listen, everybody struggles with sin. I, struggles with, I struggle with sin. But I may have no idea how that struggle with sin causes me to respond to you when you say and do certain things and how specific struggles in my life affect my life in ways I don't even know about. I mean, it's possible to live your whole life and have no idea what's going on on the inside, under the hood, in our lives. And so if you and I are going to go on this journey of real transformation, because listen to me, it's a journey. What we're going to do today is not a one-and-done sermon. I promise you right now that I'm not about to pull out a prayer that you can pray and you'll never struggle with anger, bitterness, any emotional uh, issues in your life, any wounds that you've got from the past. They'll all be healed up if you pray this prayer one time at the end of church today. I'm not going to do that because it doesn't work that way. Instead, I'm inviting all of us on a journey. A journey of transformation. Because listen to me, to become the people that Jesus wants us to be takes a lifetime. And Philippians 1.6 says that God will finish the work that he started in us. Amen? God's going to finish what he started. We're going to get to him. He's going to finish it. He'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. But it takes a lifetime to get there. And so what's that look like? I think two things. I think two things that the Apostle Paul shows us here to help us really deal with what's going on on the inside. All right, here's the first one. If you're taking notes, write this down. First thing we're going to go on this journey, we have to slow down to go under the surface. We have to slow down to go under the surface. Both of the things we're going to say this morning start with the idea of slowing down. And so some of us, right out of the gate, we're done. Right? Because the world we live in doesn't know anything about slowing down, does it? We always have something to do. There's always more laundry isn't there. More dishes need to be cleaned. More tests to study for. More meetings to go to. More practices that you have to be a part of. There's always something. We live in a world that says go, go, go 24-7, 365. And here's the thing. If we're not going, we're distracted. Because we've got this appendage in our lives called a phone. And I'm constantly looking at it and I'm constantly seeing what you're doing and where you're checking in at. And then I'm letting everybody else know what I'm doing and where I'm checking in at. And if we're not going, we're distracted so it's possible to live our whole lives and have no clue of what's going on on the inside. That's why I love what Paul does. If you look back, verse 23, I see inside of me. I see in my members, watch this, another law waging war against the law of my mind. Paul says, listen, I've took some time and I realize that, yeah, the world's got problems, but man, I've got some issues in my life. Paul says, listen, yeah, everybody else around me has problems, but you know what, there's a, literally, there's a war going on inside of me. Church, listen, do you know that? Do you realize that there is a war going on inside of you because if not listen to me you got to slow down to see it you got to slow down to see what's going on under the hood in your life I mean literally think about it like a car right your car you've got to bring that thing in sometimes to get it serviced right you got to get the oil changed you hear a noise you're taking it in to the shop unless you're a mechanic you hear a noise you got to get that thing fixed or maybe you're driving and all of a sudden a light comes on on the dashboard you know what I'm talking about right and what that light's telling you is there is an issue under the surface that you're not going to drive it out. You're not just going to drive a certain number of miles and that thing's going to fix itself. If you don't address it, it's going it's to become a bigger, more expensive problem. So those lights are going off on the dashboard to tell you something is going on under the surface to let you know you've got to deal with it. Listen, when was the last time you and God took a good hard look under the hood of your life to see what's going on under the surface? Because maybe in your life right now, maybe you know, maybe you've never even thought of, maybe it's just coming to you right now. Maybe in your life there's some lights that are going off on the dashboard. And other people see those lights, but maybe you don't see it. Do you see any Constantly comparing ourselves to other people. Constantly comparing ourselves. How good of a parent we are compared to them. Our achievements versus theirs. Our vacations versus theirs. Their lifestyle versus our lifestyle. Constantly comparing ourselves to other people. Warning light. Compromising sexually and thinking if we hook up one more time or if I hook up with this person, it'll make me feel better about myself. Then they'll love me. Then they'll be committed to me. Warning light. Constantly buying new things, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars deeper in debt. Because one more thing is finally going to make me happy, warning light. I got secret things in my life that my spouse doesn't know about, my parents don't know about. No, I don't want anybody to know about these secret things in my life, warning light. I got conflict in my life. I used to be close to all these people, but then they made me mad. I haven't talked to them since the day they made me mad, and I refuse to let it go. Warning light. Somebody said something to you, did something to you years ago, and you just keep rehashing that conversation. It's on replay over and over and over and over in your mind. Warning light. I'm addicted to pornography. Warning light. I've got an addiction issue in my life. Warning light. Do you see any of these? Because maybe you're sitting there thinking, Mark, listen, a lot of that stuff, everybody I know lives that way. And I want to say back to you, I know. And look at how messed up the world is, right? I I realize that most people are living that way like it's no big deal. But maybe, and listen, it is just the sheer mercy of God that maybe right now the Holy Spirit is just bringing to your mind a warning light saying, if you don't deal with this issue, it will deal with you and you ain't going to like it. Maybe even as we're reading this passage from Romans 7, and Paul's talking about a war inside of me, all of a sudden he's giving language to something you didn't know how to give language to, and you're thinking, that's me. I I, I battle with this. I battle with this thing, this thing that somebody said to me, did to me. There's this war going on inside of me. Church, listen, you got to slow down to go under the hood and say, what's going on in me? And I just want to say right now, I think the worst thing that any of us could be doing as we're talking this way, the worst thing any of us could be doing is sitting in our seats thinking, well, I'm glad so-and-so's here because they need to hear this sermon. Mm, You are emotionally unhealthy if that's where you're at, (laughs) right? This isn't for somebody. This is for us. This is for me. This is for you. This is between us and the Spirit of God. Spirit of God, are there lights on on the dashboard? I got to slow down what's under the hood. But here's the second one. We'll spend the rest of the day on this one. We have to slow down to be at home with God. Let me say that again. It sounds odd. We have to slow down, and I I should have put it this way. We need to slow down to learn how to be at home with God. I love what Paul does here. Let's go back to our verse. Now we're verse 24. He says this, wretched man that I am. Do you see that? Wretched man that I am. And then what does he say next? Does Paul say, wretched man that I am. God, there's no way you can love me. Wretched man that I am. Oh, Jesus, there's no way you're going to use my life. Wretched man that I am. I'm such a failure. I'm such a loser. Wretched man that I am. I don't know why I can't stop doing this or looking at this or get my act together. Is that what Paul says in the rest of the verse? No, it's not what he says. Look at what he says. Wretched man that I am. Watch this. Who will? What's the next word? Somebody say it. Deliver me from this body of death. Your Bible might say rescue. Paul says, wretched man that I am. Who's going to rescue me? Because I know rescue's coming. Who's going to deliver me? Because I know that deliverance is coming. Listen, the only way that Paul can be this vulnerable, I mean, in the Bible and with this church in Rome and with you and me, the only way that Paul can be this honest and real about the struggles in his life is because the Apostle Paul must have felt so at home in the love of God that he knows... He knows God's for him. He knows God accepts him. So he's not afraid to put all of his dirty laundry out there because he already has acceptance and approval from God. He doesn't need it from people. And he knows that deliverance is coming. And so the love of God for Paul wasn't an idea. He was just at home in it. I mean, imagine this. Imagine, you know, you come home from work, and I don't know, maybe you have to dress up at work, you know, suit and tie, or you got a work uniform. I don't know what you have to do or wear when you go to work or school. But as soon as you walk in the door, imagine that. As soon as you walk in the door, you kick your shoes off, right? And you take the suit off, you, you undo the tie, maybe you untuck your shirt, you're starting to get comfortable, right? Put on some pajamas, maybe. You've got your favorite chair. Anybody got a favorite chair at home? Put your hand in the air. Put your hand in there. Nobody? I'm gonna pray for this whole church. There's one person right over here with a favorite chair, all right? I see that hand. Bless the Lord. And and you sit down, you know, in your favorite chair, prop your feet up, and you're just starting to get comfortable. Why? Because you're home. Listen, the love of God, I work the same way. The love of God ought to be something that we learn how to get at home in the love of God. Because listen to me. The love that God has for us in Jesus is a safe place for us to deal with our bitterness, our wounds, our anger, our addiction, the darkness in our lives. The love of God, church, is a safe place to go no matter what's under the surface of your life. Amen? Right, the love of God is a safe place. And listen, if you're thinking, listen, that Mark, there is something in me so dark. I'm not what you're talking about. There's stuff in me, Mark, that's so dark. You have no idea what it is. The apostle Paul knew in verse 25 that Jesus was going to deliver him from death. Listen, if Jesus will deliver us from death, there isn't anything in our lives that Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of God, can't put his hand in and transform us in every single area. Nothing is too dark for the one who walked out of the tomb. Amen. Right? Now you're clapping. I, ho- I hope you believe that. I hope you believe it for you. I hope you believe it for, for you, not for the person next to you. Because the enemy doesn't want you to believe this. The enemy does not want you to feel safe and secure in the love of God. The enemy says the love of God is safe for them, not you. You've went too far. You don't, you don't think the love of God is safe for you. Don't you remember what you did? Don't you remember what you said? The love of God is safe for them, but somebody like you, you, listen, you've done too much and you've been to a part of too many things. The love of God is not safe for you. Summit, listen, the love of God is safe for you. And you and you, it's safe for all of us. And what we need to do is we need to slow down to learn how to become safe in the love of God. So that the love of God isn't an idea that I talk about. The love of God needs to become an address that I live in. The recliner that I sink down in. It needs to be the robe that I put on. The love of God is a safe place to go at all times for anything. But we got to learn to how to get at home with the love of God. So how do we do that? How do we slow down and learn to be at home with God? So, so, I've got up here. Um, I've got up here some uh, some water with dirt. Interesting thing that happened to me this morning is I had all kinds of people come up to me uh, and they saw me with these. And people honestly were asking me, "Are we drinking whiskey or moonshine today at church?" And it, it, people were, "Look, are we drinking whiskey today?" And I just want to say to you that if that was you, you need to take some time and go under the hood. All right. If you're that excited about whiskey at church, all right. And also celebrate recoveries Thursdays at six thirty. All right. So I just want to throw that out there. This is dirt with water in it, all right? Don't come up here. Moonshine, no. All right, this is us. These things are us. Actually, that's not right. So this is you and me. Actually, let me give you a better picture. We probably on the inside look like this. That's probably a better picture of what we look like on the inside, right? Shaken, stirred up by things inside of us, outside of us. We are always moving. Everything is cloudy, distorted. We, we're, we're so defensive. We're always trying to be seen maybe or to prove a point maybe or we're always trying to be a part of the action. We feel like we have to produce things, have to get things done and and everything on the inside is just cloudy, distorted. Jesus is in there but man he's, he's really hard to find and, and what happens is the more that we just resist the world because that's honestly what you've got to do. The more that we resist the noise, pull back from the culture and just, just walk away from the world for a few Minutes to be with God, the more we slow down and learn to be at home in the love of God, the more things begin to settle. And the more things begin to get clear. Now, now what I love about this picture is it's not completely see-through, is it? You can see it, right? That water is still muddy. Because, listen to me, in this life there's still going to be some murkiness, right? Sin is still in us. We're always going to fight this battle until we see Jesus face-to-face. That water is still going to be a little murky. But do you see the difference here? See the difference here? Here? things are starting to settle. We haven't touched this since we put this together early this morning. And what happens inside of us is that if we slow down and pull away to learn how to be be at home in the love of God, things begin to shift on the inside. This is what Psalm 46.10 talks about when it says, Be still and know that I am God. When is the last time You just stopped because you had to know on the inside that God is God. When's the last time you did that? Because here's the thing, the more that I stop and the more that I slow down and the more that I settle into home with God, the more that I settle into and I realize that the love of God is a safe place, the more I do that, what begins to happen is all of a sudden things begin to shift inside of me so that I don't live for the opinion and approval of other people because here I'm learning how to live from the approval that I already have from my Heavenly Father. Does that make sense? Right? The more, the more I, I'm, I'm slowing down to be at home with God. All of a sudden, that frees me things begin to shift inside of me so that I don't burn myself out, compromise and be who, everybody, who I think everybody wants me to be, trying to get people to love me. I realize that God already loves me, that God already is for me. I don't throw myself out just constantly looking for things that the world honestly can't give me when 2 Peter chapter 1 says that God has already given us all things we need for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. The only way that I can live in the fact that God's already given me all things i gotta pull back from the world slow down for a bit let things begin to settle and just let god speak that over my life students would you listen to me for a second middle school students if some of you didn't go over there middle school high school college students look at me lean in right now if you don't do what i'm talking about right now the world is going to absolutely eat you alive i promise you it will i promise you if you don't do this students you will lose your soul Right. Jesus said, what, what profit is it to gain the world and lose our souls? I promise you, if you don't pull back, slow down to let the God of the universe tell you that you've already got approval... To let the God of the universe tell you that you're already loved. To get the God God of the universe tell you that he's pleased with you. I am telling you, you will listen to the voices of the world that tell you, you need to be like this if you want to be a success. You need to have a body that looks like this. You need to look like this, act like this. You will wear yourself out chasing something when the reality is you already have what you're looking for in Christ. But you got to slow down and stop and let things begin to settle. Oh man, there's so many adults in here and we're just so caught up and we're choked to death by this idea of success. And we're running after this quote unquote good life thinking that when I get there I'll be happy. And the problem is we see people who are already there, they're not happy either. But we're just burning ourselves out and going and going and going. And what we need to do is we need to pull back and settle down. Let things begin to shift and hear the voice of Jesus say, come to me and rest. Why can I rest? Because the work's already been done. The price has already been paid. And we are completely, fully, and finally His. It is finished. And listen, it is finished has got to be more than words on a page. It needs to be a place that you learn to live. I'm safe in it. I'm at home in it. But here's the thing some of you are thinking, there's no way. I can't. There's no way I can do this. I work a crazy schedule and and I don't even know how to stop her. Some of you are thinking this. Listen, I don't want to do what you're talking about, because if I stop to do this, I'm afraid of what God will show me. I think the worst thing that I could do today is to say, all right, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and Anybody want to slow down? Raise your hand. I'll see that hand. And then we leave. So I want us all to do this together right now. Because here's the thing, and this this happened in the first service. Some of you, if you're honest, you haven't slowed down all week. Does anybody feel like that? Like this week has just been like a million miles an hour. Or, Or for some of you, it hasn't even been this week. It's been all year. And you're just going and going and going. And and this idea of slowing down or or stopping or or pulling back, there's there's no way. Or here's where some of you are. Some of you are thinking, Mark, listen. Under the surface, there's so much anger and bitterness and resentment and shame and fear. Mark, I, I just don't feel like there's a place for me with God. And I want you to know today that there is a place for you with God. No matter what's under the surface, there is a place for you with God. And so we're gonna do this right now, and I'm not forcing anybody to do this, only do this if you're, if you're comfortable, but, um, but it does require you to do some things. Um, so, so if you have your phone out, uh, or any distractions at all. Would you just put your distractions away? Even if you're like taking sermon notes or following along. Just go ahead and shut your phone down. And maybe put it underneath your seat. In the, the pocket on the back of the seat in front of you. And, and, and just any distractions that you may have. Okay, so just put, them, put those down. You don't need your uh, card. You don't need a pen. You don't need, uh, really, just put those distractions away. And if you would, would you just put both feet on the floor? Just put both of your feet on the floor this morning. And, and here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask us all to bow our heads, close our eyes. We're going to pray. And here's what we're going to do. This is a safe time, what we're about to do, okay? I'm going to name some things. And if I name some things that are genuinely under the surface, these things that are genuinely in your heart, as I name it, just as a moment of honesty before before you and God, I just want you to put your hand in the air. No explanation needed. You don't have to defend yourself, say anything. Anything at all. But what we're going to do is we're going to take a moment to slow down. God, what is going on under, under, the, under the hood? What's going on under the surface? And because the love of God is a safe place, we're going to name it. And we're just going to have a time, a couple maybe a minute or two, where we just hold that in the presence of God. So would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And what you might want to do just to help you get into this moment just take a big, deep breath in and let it out. And just feel yourself relaxed as you do that. And, and maybe you want to take a couple of more of those. And church, Psalm 139 says that it is impossible to be away from the presence of God. I mean, where two or more are gathered, Jesus is, is there in our midst. Jesus Christ is here today in this room. The Holy Spirit's here in this room. There's love in this room in ways we can't even imagine. And so I'm going to name some things, maybe some emotions, maybe some things that are happening in, in, in some people's lives. And as I name those, all you need to do, just, again, no defense, no explanation, but if I say something that applies to you, would you just put your hand up, and then you can put it down. So is there anybody here this morning, and just under the, again, just raising your hand and put it back down. If you're angry, raise your hand, put it down. Just angry at anybody or anything, just put your hand up and down. There we go. There we go. If you're bitter this morning at anyone or anything, just put your hand up and put it back down. Several hands. If, if someone said something or did something to you at one time in your life, and it feels just as fresh as if it just happened, would you put your hand up and put it back down? There's shame in your life. Just put your hand up and put it back down. Just shame. How about regret? Regret. Just put your hand up, put it back down. Maybe a missed opportunity, a broken dream or situation. You just regret that that time's past. Anybody with joy or excitement? Joy or just something's something's going on in your life. I've got some joy. I'm excited about some things. Anybody? Several hands. Going up. I want you to do something. I want you to, just as you're if if you would, would you just take your hands and would you just put your hands in your lap and just open up your hands with your palms up? If you're comfortable. And I want you to imagine that you're holding those things in your hand. That thing that, that happened to you, you're, you're holding it like it's an object in your hand. You're holding bitterness in your hand. You're holding anger, resentment in your hand. Whatever it is, maybe it's something I didn't even name. Fear. Anxiety. Depression. A diagnosis. Confusion. I want you to imagine that you're holding it in your hand. And I want you just to sit with it for a moment. And, And as you sit with it, we're sitting with it. In the presence of God. That God is in this place. That God knows what's in your hand. And he doesn't yell at us. Judge us. Condemn us. Condemnation has been accepted through Christ. But I want you as you hold it in your hands. I want you just to say to God. God what are we going to do about this? Just say that to God. God what are we going to do. About this. And just sit in the presence of God for just a moment with that in your hand. And now I want you to imagine. And and to help you, you might even want to take one of your other hands and just hold the other hand. But, But I want you to imagine the hands of Jesus holding your hands. I want you to imagine Jesus, who's right here in this place, who loves all of us. I want you to imagine the hands of Jesus literally reaching down. And he is holding your hands and that thing. And now they're in his hands. That Jesus is holding you. Can you imagine it? Can you see it? I want you to imagine it again. You might need to take one of your other hands just so you can feel that hand on your hand. And the hands of Jesus... He looks at you and I want you to hear the voice of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, with what you're holding and now he's holding you. Can you hear him say to you today, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. And I am pleased with you. Would you just let Jesus say that to you? Don't argue back with him. Don't give him all the reasons why you're the exception. Just just let the promise of God wash over you today. That you are my beloved son or daughter. And I am pleased with you. With that in your hand. And right now we're going to put on the screen the words of Isaiah 55.1. And, and if, you, if you want to, if you just need some help here, I love this invitation from God. Look at what it says. This is to all of us. With those things in our hands, look at what it says. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money. And without price. And just close your eyes again and, and Jesus is holding your hands. Can you hear Jesus say to you, come, just come, it's safe. Come, it's, it's okay. And maybe you don't know what to say or what to do. Would you just, right now, let's just take a moment of silence and, and maybe you can pray something. Just if you, if you feel like you need words, just say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. I, I don't know how to hold this. I don't know how to give this to you. Jesus, help me. And let's just sit in that moment as as Jesus holds us. And now, Jesus, would you, would you help us to begin to learn how to give this to you? Because we don't know how. We've carried this for so long. We just don't know how. Would you teach us how to give these things to you? And to do it today and then tomorrow and the next day and every time it comes back. And Jesus, have mercy on us. And as we just say in this moment, listen, church, the the only way that this is even remotely possible, the the only way this happens is if Jesus is a real person in your life, not an idea, not not your parents' faith or something that people bring you to church for or anything like that. Jesus Christ has got to be a real person in your life, that you have a personal relationship with him. And if you don't, he loves you and wants a relationship with you today. And so today, if you need Jesus in your life, you want to be saved I'm going to pray a prayer, and and if you want to begin to follow Jesus, I just invite you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me today. I give my life to you for the first time. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me and coming back from the dead for me. Jesus, I give my life to you today for the very first time. And Father, for the rest of us, your people, your church, would would you help us to learn how to do this? Would you help us to get beyond ideas and get beyond talk into real transformation? And God, this is hard and it's scary, but we're just going to come out on the other side of it looking like Christ. We're just going to come out on the other side of it with more freedom with chains broken, with strongholds gone. We're just going to come out on and on the other side safe in the love of God. And so Jesus, would you just take our church on this journey? Because that's what it is. It doesn't, it doesn't end today. If anything, it just starts. Would you take every, every man and woman and, and student and, and grandparent and person, would you just take us on this journey But thank you that as we're on this journey, that we are held in your hands and that the love of God is a safe place. Jesus, we love you. And we praise you because you loved us first. And you loved us when we still had these things in our hands, a lot of us. And and when we picked these things up, you didn't stop loving us. So we thank you that we love you, but we praise you that, God, you loved us first. We ask all this in the power and the name and for the beauty of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen.